Hey guys, thanks for checking out our message this week. For more content like this, check out vineyardlive.us. If you are interested in getting to know more about who we are as a church, check out the vineyardchurch.us. Well, good morning. Well, like Jamie said, I am Curtis Plank. I am the youth pastor here at the Vineyard Church. Shout out to all my Rev students. Yeah, and I'm also the Building 1225 director and here at the Vineyard. And just a little bit about me. Some of you guys might know me that well, but um, I'm originally from Arthur. I've uh, lived in Sullivan here for three years, have been on staff here for three years. I'm 24 years old. I've been married to my beautiful wife, Michaela, for four years. And um, I have four siblings and two brothers and two sisters. So I have two brothers, Jeremy, a younger brother, and Austin, who's seven years younger than I am. And we're all three the middle children, child. Do I have any other middle children in there, out here? Yeah. So, yeah. So we, uh, some of you guys know, um, any middle children, if you you guys are a middle child, we like to cause some trouble sometimes. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, well, let me tell you a story of when myself and my two brothers may have caused some trouble. Um, So one Sunday afternoon, me, Jeremy, and Austin, we were all in our room. This was when I was like 10. I just want to preface by saying that. But... um, I was about 10 years old, Jeremy was about nine, Austin was about three, and we were messing around on a Sunday afternoon in our bedroom. Me and Jeremy shared a room. So there was, it was kind of full in there, so I had, there was two beds, two dressers, and Austin was jumping on our bed. He was acting like a three-year-old, and me and Jeremy got this awesome idea. Hey, Austin, you should, you should get on the headboard and jump off of, off of the headboard onto the bed and land on the ground. So... Austin's like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. That sounds like a great idea like any other young three-year-old that looks up to his brothers do. And what, so our headboard had, our headboard had like a little cabinet that you could have, you could, you could stand on it. And he did that. So what happens whenever you jump off of a, onto a springy surface? You, you like spring forward if you're jumping forward. So Austin jumps, he jumps straight off the bed, onto the, dre- onto the, off the headboard, onto the dre- uh, bed, and he's springing forward. At this point, he's like horizontal. And he's horizontal to the, the floor, and he's going, and he knocks his two front teeth right into the dresser. And there's like blood everywhere, his mouth is bleeding, teeth are falling out of his mouth, and it's like, we're running down the stairs, and my mom is freaking out, saying... Like, go get the dentist. Well, we had a dentist like, live right next door. So she was like very, <laughs> she was freaking out. It was just quite, quite a scene. But why do I tell you this story? Um, my brother and I influenced our younger brother. So Jeremy and I influenced our younger brother, Austin, to do something that probably wasn't in his best interest. And the past few weeks, we've been in a series about reckless love. And now in that story, Jeremy and I were being pretty reckless, not the, quite the reckless that we're talking about here. But um, we've been exploring what it means, and we've heard, we heard from Julie in the first week that reckless love means utterly unconcerned with consequences. When we love recklessly, we love without worry of what the consequences of that love will be. And this week, I want to dive into another way that, we, that, that God calls us to love recklessly, and that's by blessing people, not cursing them. So I want to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to be our teacher, and then we'll move forward. So let's pray. God, thank you so much for just the opportunity we get to come together today. 
and just worship you. And Father, we pray for our open hearts and open minds as we hear from your word. So Holy Spirit, bless us and be our teacher. In your name we pray, amen. So now the story that I just told about my brothers and I, um, that was just a fun story about how Jeremy and I influenced Austin. But we all have influence. Each one of us have influence and we're all influenced by someone or something. Your peers, your children, people you lead, people you encounter every day, they look to you and they watch you. And they're, you're influencing them, whether you realize it or not. And we must choose how we use the influence that we have. Are we gonna choose to follow what the world is telling us to do? To hate, to divide, to, to curse others? Or will we choose to follow what God and the Bible says? To love, to live in unity, to bless people. And another thing, like I said, we, we're all influenced by something. So how are you being influenced? Are you being influenced positively, negatively? Are you constantly looking at one and wanting to be influenced by the news, the media, social media? And are you only speaking to people that are exactly like you? If yes, then you are being influenced by what people are telling you. Or are you turning to Jesus and the Bible to find answers? If that's the case, then you're being influenced by the truth and what the word of God says, not by people. We need to shift our focus from what the world is calling us to do to what Jesus calls us to do. And in Luke 15, Jesus calls, calls us to do something pretty special and pretty difficult at the same time. He calls us to love others wholeheartedly, even if it means leaving the 99 saved people to find that one lost person. In this chapter in Luke 15, Jesus shares several stories about why he would do such a thing, because why he would leave um, the people that are just like him and to find that one lost person. Because the tax collectors, they were so confused as why he would make such a sacrifice to go eat dinner with all the sinners when people that were exactly like him were right here. So let's look at the story. Um, you can turn with me to Luke 15. And uh, it's the story of the prodigal son. And it, in, in before this, just a little preface, before this, he, he tells several other stories. One of those stories is talking about the reckless love of the father, how he leaves, um, about a parable, uh, talking about how a shepherd leaves his flock of sheep, the 99, to, to find that one lost sheep. So let's look at the last, the last story of the prodigal son, starting in verse 11. It says, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. So I'm gonna pause here. As you can see, the father in this story loved his two sons very much. He demonstrates that radical, reckless love that we, we hear about. And the son that wanted his money, he just wanted to, he, he demanded from his father, I want my money now. I want my part of your inheritance now. So he could just live his life, do what he wanted, not what, the, what his father was telling him to do. He was being very selfish. And the fa father graciously said, okay, I'll give you your part of your inheritance now. And when you, when you think about this, it was, this could have been, the, his inheritance could have been half of what his father owned. So his father might have had to sell some land 
And like that, that could have cost him a lot of money, cost him a lot of things. And so it, it affected that whole family a ton. And what does the, the, the son goes and goes off to a land, distant land and he spends all his money and his selfishness actually got him in trouble. Because, that, because he spent all his money and became very hungry because all the food in that community was very scarce, to, to paraphrase. So I want to, just a present day example of this, it would be like if I, if I asked my dad, I would go up to my dad and say, hey, I, hey, dad, I want my share of the inheritance right now, before, before you die. I need it today. And dad would just say, okay, that's fine, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll give it to you. And he would have to go sell some things. He'd probably have to go sell some of his construction equipment, go sell some of, his, some of his land that he has, and he would lose out on lots of money because of my selfish act. This would be like me going off, then I would take that money, I would run off to Vegas. Run off to Vegas, I, I would go party, I would go to clubs. Um, just to be clear, I don't do that, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't actually do that. But it would be like that if it would be a present day. And um, I would lose all that money, I would end up losing all the money. What would I have to do if I would be like the, the, the prodigal son here? I would have to go possibly go get a, try to find a part-time job of some sort, that, um, find a job, and all I could find was a part-time job that can barely even pay my bills. So if we read on in the story um, that Jesus is telling, the son finally realizes after spending all his money and f- seeing that he, he can't really get a lot of food because the food was so scarce, um, the son finally realized that the servants on his father's family farm, they were all taken care of and they had plenty of food. And if he just went home to his father, he could have all that he wanted. So what does he do? He goes back to his father and when his father saw him coming, he was thrilled to see him. He hadn't seen him in in months, in years. So uh, whenever he saw, when when the dad saw him, he said, he told his servants to go get the nicest clothes, the best food out there. And um, so they could throw a big party for his son's return. Well, you remember there was two sons, and that other, the other son, whenever he saw this, wasn't too thrilled about this. He didn't take this too kindly. So let's read on, starting in verse 25. It says, Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And in all that time, you never even gave me one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, Look, dear son, You have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So when have you felt like this? When have you felt like the brother? When have you felt that like someone else got something that you deserved? I feel that oftentimes we we do feel like the brother, or I know at least I do. I felt that way plenty of times in my life. Because the brother stuck with his father through thick and thin. And he didn't ask for anything special. But when, when, when the brother, this brother that squandered all his money comes home, he's, he shows up and gets a big party thrown for him. 
Now, that doesn't seem fair. And I know I've been in situations where I've felt that way. I felt like someone got something I deserve, and it does not feel good at all. But when I feel, the, feel that in those situations, Jesus reminds me that I'm not necessarily doing things for recognition. I'm doing something because that's what God, my Father, is calling me to do. And that's to be respectful and to help out where it's needed. And so often, we want to react like the brother did when we want to kind of throw a fit when things don't go our way or someone did this to me or someone said that to me. You fill in the blank, whatever it is. So I'm a basketball coach, and um, there's one thing that I always tell my players whenever um, things get, before every game, and it's something that I was told before as a, as a player, whenever my, to- my coach told me as a player, and that is a simple phrase, control what you can control. And those two things were your attitude and your effort. So in basketball, you can control how hard you play at all times on the court when you're playing. You can control your um, and you can control your attitude. You can control your attitude toward the coach, toward the other, um, the other team, towards the officials, toward the other teams, even if it's, things aren't going, going your way. What you can't control is what the officials are going to call and how the other team is going to react whenever things happen. So whenever I was uh, in high school, um, I'm, I love sports, I love basketball, and we were playing a team that it was my sophomore year, I think, and we were, we were kind of a young team, we went down to play this team on, a, on their senior night, and they had a bunch of seniors. They were expected to win. They had a lot of, they had a lot of talent on their team. And, um, but we came out, and we played really well. We were on a hot streak. And what happened? We started winning by a lot. And things got ugly after that. Like, we were, they were hip-checking me. I'll never forget, like, this kid took his shoulder and shoved me to the ground, and it hurt, but nothing was called. Like, they were playing dirty. There was actually a bunch of fans that got kicked out of the game. There was, um, at the end of the game, we actually had to be escorted to our bus by the police. So that's how bad it was. And, but what, what did we do? We ended up succeeding in winning that game because we didn't let what they were doing get to us. We controlled what we could control, our attitude and our effort. We played hard, and we didn't, we didn't let them get under our skin. We didn't let things that weren't going our way get under our skin. We controlled our attitude and our effort. And I believe the same thing applies in our own lives and in our walk with Jesus and the influence that we carry. We can't control how someone is going to react or what they're going to say when we show them love or when we're, when we're blessing them. They might not take it like we always want to. But what we can control is our attitude toward that person or, um, and our effort towards that person. Maybe our attitude toward the people that we may disagree with or that might, have, that might have hurt us. And we can control our effort to love those people and bless those people. And this is the I can control me, I can't control you mindset. Each one of us is a child of God and our Father loves us each the same, very much. And sometimes I'll be the first one to raise my hand here that we lose sight that God loves others that don't think like us or disagree with us. Or maybe even the ones that have wronged us. We write them off. We forget that God loves that person just like he loves me. I believe the biggest, one of the biggest misconceptions in today's world is that we can't have a civil conversation or we can't even speak sometime to someone who disagrees with us or wrongs us. 
we say, well, if they don't agree with me or they hurt me, then I don't really have anything to say to them. Instead of speaking to them about it, we go behind their back. We say, well, we tell people how dumb they are, how stupid they are for thinking that or saying that in that moment. In that moment, what are you doing? You're cursing that person. It would be great, it would be great to be able to say, ask God to simply make the conflict go away and poof, everything would be rosy and peaches and cream. That's my new favorite saying, but um, unfortunately it doesn't happen that way because we do have a real enemy. We have an enemy that wants to divide and we do have the freedom of choice and people obviously don't all make the same decisions. So conflict is bound to arise. And for that hostility to be removed from our lives between people that might think differently than us, we ourselves have to be involved and doing so with the help of the Holy Spirit. See, the Father loved us when we were unlovable. He came after us. The Father calls us to bless those people that aren't easy to love. And we find that in Romans 12, starting in verse 14. It says, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. And I love that verse. That is such a challenging verse for me. And you can go back to, you can compare scripture and you can say that maybe I just use this to, to prove my point. But if you, if you look at other versions of this scripture, it's going to say the exact same thing. So something you can do to, to, to bless the people that, um, that disagree with you or that don't think like you, and that is have a conversation with them. Talk it out in a peaceful way. And even if you disagree on some things, that's okay. I, just, I had a conversation like that last night. Just love them. Loving them is blessing them. There's some great resources on how to handle conflict and how to handle conversations like that. And one of those is Keep Your Love On, the book Keep Your Love On by Danny Silk. I have a friend who is completely different than me. We think differently. He's more creative. Um, he has an eye for art. He has an ear for music. He's into photography. I don't have any of that. And I'm more sporty. I, like, I love sports, I love competition. But another thing, he loves the city. I don't love the city as much. He'd live in downtown Chicago. I'm, I like my small town, I like, I like living here. But what, one thing we know and one thing we can do is we can still love each other and bless each other. We can be the, we, we can look at each other and just see how the other one's doing. Have a conversation and say, hey, are you doing all right? We make sure that we're loving each other and blessing each other every time we see each other. And there are three ways that I believe that we can bless or curse if we choose a person. And they are our actions, our words, and our thoughts. So number one, our actions. You could, an example of this would be a random act of kindness. Um, show, show reckless love towards someone. Show love that you're not concerned about what that, the consequences of that love will be. 
Like the father in the story that I read earlier, he threw a party for his son. He was showing reckless love. He was showing an act of kindness. Number two, I think this is the most simple one, but I think the most effective one, smile. I, when I walk down the street and I see someone smiling at me, I am extremely blessed by that. I know a couple of years, or last year, several of our Rev students took some time out of their day on a Saturday to help a woman in the community, and one of their, it was one of their piano teachers. And they did some painting, and they pulled some weeds for her, for her and it was awesome because it was just, it was a simple gesture that made this woman's day. A simple action, a simple action step. It blessed her. Number two way we can bless is with our words. Our words have weight. Our words do matter. In James, we see that cursing shouldn't come from, the, from our mouth. Only blessing should. And in this verse I'm going to read, it's speaking about the tongue. That's where we're getting it. So it says, James, in James 3, starting in verse 9, it says, Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. So speaking negatively behind someone's back is cursing. Just because they can't hear you doesn't mean it's okay. doesn't mean they're, they're not being affected by it. It's harming not only you, but it's also harming them. Instead of cursing, use uplifting words. Use encouraging words. Use empowering words. Call out the gold in somebody. I had one of my rev leaders come up to me the other week, and he just let me know how much my friendship meant to him. And I can tell you, I was extremely blessed by that. So thank you for that. And lastly, another way that we can use our, um, we can bless others is with our thoughts. What would Jesus say about this person? How, how, would, he, how, how would he describe them? Thinking positively about that person instead of negatively. Praying for them in the morning. Example, Father, give, give Sean strength today. So going back to the beginning, how are we going to react? How are you going to react and use your influence in those moments when we feel wronged or you feel like we don't, you don't want any part of a person because of their views? Will you be the light in someone's life or will you tear them down? And where are you being influenced? Are we focusing on Jesus and being influenced by the word of God or are we focused on the world and being influenced by the media and by people? So let's shift our focus to what Jesus says so in turn we can use our influence to bless people, like-minded people and people who think differently than us. When we focus on Jesus and the word of God, we can become kingdom influencers to advance the kingdom of God. I want to take just a minute here, um, and I want you to pray and ask the Father. So we'll have a, we'll have a countdown up, up, up there um, on the screens. But I want you to ask the Father, what are some areas in my life that I need to cut out? And what are some areas that I need to step into more where I can bless others using the influence that I have to advance the kingdom? So just take a minute here, and we'll wrap up here.
is take a moment each day. So as we wrap up here, my challenge for you this week is take a moment each day, each morning, and ask God how you can bless someone that particular day. And I want you, after you hear Jesus talking and God talking to you, I want you to act on what you hear him say. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for just what, what your presence in the room today. And Father, I pray that you give us strength and give us guidance and wisdom in this idea of uh, blessing, blessing people, blessing other people that might not be like us, that might disagree with us, that might even have wronged us. Father, I pray for strength, courage, wisdom, and just your Holy Spirit throughout this whole week. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks for checking out this message. We also have more messages available on vineyardlive.us. Get access to exclusive content when you sign up for our Vineyard Live Plus community. This allows you to watch our past conferences, trainings, and special teachings.